The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion, but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. My name is Opal Singleton, as they just said, and we come to you every week at 7 a.m. on Voice America Variety Channel. This show is sponsored by Million Kids, that is spelled M-I-L-L-I-O-N, Million Kids, because more than a million kids are trafficked each year throughout the world. And I often work in human trafficking and uh, sextortion and social media exploitation, all kinds of things. I've been doing it for many, many years. Actually, used to look like the picture on the back of that book. I got another picture taken. By the way, if you're interested, I wrote a book called Seduce, the Grooming of America's Teenagers. And I'm deep in the middle of trying to write another one, but it is just overwhelming at this point. It was so much easier, it seemed like, to write the first one. Hey, we're going to talk about a really, really, really complex and fluid subject today. And I'm going to tell you, this is literally me thinking out loud. And uh, I may change my opinion on this in a couple of three weeks. I don't know. I have been doing a massive amount of research. It's always dangerous for me to go on the radio and share what I'm thinking uh, when I'm in the development thinking process. But... um, and this, this particular subject gets quite complex, so handling it on a radio show, I don't know if this will work or not, but we're going to give it a try. If anybody wants to call in and give me your thoughts as we're t- uh, talking on this, you can call in at one 472 5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, most people uh, that listen to this show actually listen through the archive shows because this is meant to be a global training program where we introduce new and updated information every week and it goes out to 170 countries. And it's all about how quickly all of this changes and staying on top of it. You know, we've all, most of us now, been trained in human trafficking 101. But I wanted the show because, you know, the bad guy, you know, they stay ahead of you all the time. And we have to stay ahead in our education to be able to combat this. Well, I want to talk about the race for anonymity in technology and how difficult this is for law enforcement. I think I titled uh, the the uh, card, and I've got to get faster at getting those out and announcing them ahead of time. I'm just so buried. But um, I think I called it, poof, the evidence is gone. And that's really what I want to look at today. And uh, this may actually be a two- or three-part show just because I'm it, deep in the process of, it, of um, researching all this, and it's very, very complex. But basically, we live at the most unique time of all of society, especially if you're a first responder, especially if you're in law enforcement or you're an attorney or uh, maybe a, a global policy expert. Uh, or a social worker, or someone who is dealing with crime all the time, because this is the first generation of young people that have never had 
never not known the internet, okay? In other words, we are now taking our young people and connecting them to people all over the world, literally thousands and thousands. We are building billion-person global communities, and it is changing everything. From a spiritual point of view, I always say this is the first time since the Tower of Babel that God's ever allowed us to come together, and this may not be pretty. He may change his mind for this is over. It could get interesting. But I believe that teaching young people social media responsibility will be the greatest challenge of this entire generation, whether you're 14 or whether you're 71. I don't care. This world is fast changing. Now, here's where I'm going to start this discussion. In America, we think we have a right to privacy. You know, we have search and seizure laws so that the government cannot just come into our lives and take whatever they want and use it against us. In some countries, it doesn't work that way. But America, we've been a leader. The U.S. has been a leader on personal privacy. And that has worked pretty good up till now. You know, we have these intense search and seizure laws. We have the First Amendment that protects our privacy. But the minute you take your personal life and you put it on a global internet, how does that change when it comes to global policy, U.S. policy, legislation? You know, how do we protect the average citizen when they take their personal private life, and sometimes it gets really private. (laughs) I've seen some of those selfies. (laughs) Anyway, how do you take, when you take your personal private life and in America you put it on a global device such as the internet and nobody ever promised you that was private. Now you put it on in America, but it's, you know, showing up in Bangkok or you're sitting in America accessing a vulnerable little child in Battambang, Cambodia, who's being violated in a hut. How does law enforcement deal with that? What rights to privacy do you have? What rights to protection does that poor victim have in a third world country? If there was ever an exciting time to be part of global policy development, it is today. I work with USC. I'm an instructor over there, and uh, I love Dr. Earl Southers. He really has such a global mind, and he heads now the uh, USC Saul Price Institute for Safe Communities. And uh, Dr. Duros over there uh, heads up the, I believe he's the dean over at the Intelligence Science Institute. And these are Fascinating times to be in those positions because on the one hand, the citizens of America are expecting to be kept safe, safe from predators, safe from crime, that the one role of a government is to keep a citizen safe. And that works until that citizen goes on a global internet device and puts personal stuff on there, or has a conversation with maybe a homegrown violent extremism group, and they expect that conversation to be private. 
So what are the laws and what about what's happening? And I can tell right now this is going to be more than one session because this is a complex subject and I want to address it. So here's some of the challenges that's been going on. This has actually been going on for some time, but it's expanding at the speed of light and I wanted to address it. I work with law enforcement. Most of you know I work with the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force here in Southern California. Yay, shout out. They're amazing people. These are people who put their lives on the line and go after these worst of the worst. But I'm going to tell you this. They never get in the car and go out on an undercover case until they've done a whole lot of technical research. Because today, crime solving is data-driven. You may have heard me say uh, either last week or the week before, we had one case, and it's not a one-off at this point, where they subpoenaed and they actually got 50,000 pages of evidence. Now, these are undercover cops, men and women, who do lots of stuff, and they already have 200 open cases, and there's only six of them. How in the heck can you ever deal with 50,000 pages of evidence? And that's the evidence that was turned over. What about the evidence they can't get? And that's what this show is about. What happens when the evidence is encrypted? What happens when it's a disappearing video? What happens when it's live streamed? In fact, this week there was an article, and and we'll go with the least technical example, and we'll start to progress up into the more technical as we talk about this. What happened this last week was uh, that it was announced that Backpage, now most of you, if you've taken other trainings with me, know that Backpage is the most well-known site for advertising services of commercial sex. Now, there are hundreds of them out there, but, you know, they're the poster boy and everybody's after them to get some anonymity to shut them down. Hey, I'm not defending them, not defending them anyway. But, you know, in my opinion, they're spitting in the wind because they're going to be put out of business because they're going to be old news shortly. In the meantime, they've already opened up two more sites offshore, so they're prepared to be shut down here. And, you know, all kinds of things are happening trying to put them out of business while, you know, a thousand other sites are doing the same thing and not getting any visibility. But it's a great site for people to go after. But what happened is they started now. What what happened is in the past, they used to take Master Charge Visa for charging their ads. Well, a bunch of activists went after them and took that away. So they fixed, they thought they were going to put them out of business. They didn't. They simply went to Bitcoins. Bitcoin is cyber currency, and I did an entire session on that in the last couple of weeks, all about money laundering. And we're going to circle back around money laundering because this whole encryption business, this thing of anonymity will also include money laundering. And that's part of the research that I'm doing. But what happened is they then took them into Bitcoin, which of course is anonymous and non-traceable. So now law enforcement cannot track the money. Now, I can't say they can't track it. You know, they're spending millions and billions of our American dollar trying to figure out how to break through cyber currency up there with the FBI and Homeland Security and like that. However, what they now did is say, okay, we'll also take uh, vanilla gift cards. Now, they don't take, and they'll take uh, business gift cards of certain kinds, uh, uh, like Best Buy. And so, you know, think about that. You pay cash for that. 
to buy one of those gift cards. So one more time, now this is certainly a non-technical solution, but one more time, they made it difficult for law enforcement to track the money. How do you get a subpoena to find out who paid cash for a vanilla master charge account at Walmart over in Marino Valley? So, you know, bad guys will always do what they have to do to stay ahead of the cops, and the cops must run and catch up. Now, that's the most archaic kind of anonymity going on. We're about to talk about encrypted messaging and disappearing video and and even the dark web. I think I'm going to start out with there. I'm going to start out with a little legislative activity of what's gone on with that. So that's where we're going to head out in the next section. If you will stay with me, uh, we're up against a hard break here, and then we will be right back. Thanks. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited. Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. 
Uh, you can call into the show at one 472 5788 I see the stats. Most of you are, you know, uh, back east or overseas and many of you are government workers. So you're on your way to work already. And I'm used to knowing that most of these people are uh, watching this archive. Having said that, I am blown away at the following this show is getting and the number of people that are listening around the world. The numbers just get bigger and bigger and bigger by the thousands. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate that. Uh, you know, my life is just a crazy, crazy life. I, I care passionately about protecting our kids, and I care passionately about how technology is changing crime. And now that I lost my husband, as many of you know, he passed away four months ago yesterday, and is the greatest loss of my life. But I have dedicated the rest of my life to combating this and taking this on. So if you're in cybersecurity, if you're in uh, one of these kinds of businesses that you can make a difference, a global policy uh, uh, or any kind of technology, uh, development of software, I hope you'll reach out to me. You can do that at Opal at Me and Kids. So we're going to start with the basics, such as things like gift cards, and we're going to develop into encrypted messaging and like that. To give you an overview, because I'm deep in the weeds on these subjects, it's real easy for me. My husband used to laugh at me all the time. I'd just start blabbing away and he'd go, Opal, you haven't given me the subject yet. (laughs) My mind just goes crazy when I'm doing this sort of thing. I always forget to mention what I'm talking about. Well, what we're talking about is the challenges of making law enforcement, the challenges to to law enforcement with all of this developing technology. So it really has to do with a race for anonymity and the balance between your private life and the government's right to collect data to keep you safe. And that's a huge challenge in the age of technology because on the one hand, we want search and seizure laws. We don't want them coming in. We don't want them breaking into our, our, you know, looking at our private little Facebook pages and things like that. On the other hand, we are now in this generation posting all of our private information on a worldwide outside the U.S. and all of its policies on the World Wide Web. And different countries have different laws, and there is no one who really has any regulation to the Internet. And it's really, really dangerous to have someone regulate the Internet because what what if the U.N. takes it over? God forbid. <laughs> you know, but but. You know, we think the U.S. ought to be able to control it. No. What about Australia or Japan? China has twice as many users as we do, and they know how to control the Internet. We're not going to like what they want to do to their citizens. So where does this end? And then you mix with it things like different kinds of electronic approaches to anonymity. I just listed a few, and we're going to go through them. And I can tell right now this is going to be at least a two-part series, maybe a three-part series. But the different kinds of apps and, and approaches to giving you a level of anonymity, a level of privacy. We're going to talk next about the dark web for a couple of minutes because they just had a big case takedown this this week that might actually give us some protocol, some roadmap to how to handle a global crime that is taking place in a public venue, but taking place in a dark web environment where 
theoretically, um, you don't have any rules to protect you, but the technology is going to be so good, it will. And then we're going to talk about encrypted messaging, encrypted chat rooms, disappearing video. Uh, We've had some announcements this week about how all of this takes place. We're going to talk about live streaming. If you don't freeze frame it, live streaming disappears. And now we have live streaming within a video game. I mean, think about this. It's been hard enough for law enforcement to be able to uh, listen in in chat rooms in a video game. Because how do you get a search warrant? There's multiple parties. It isn't a one-to-one conversation. And on top of it, how do you identify who's actually speaking? So predators for a long time have been operating in video game chat rooms so that they can have these private conversations and even do their grooming and recruitment of our young people. This is the reason why early from the get-go, you've heard me rallying against putting your child in a video game that has a chat room. Now, I know I sound like an ogre. I'm not against chat, uh, gaming. You know, well, you know, if, if you have a kid with a game that in, are only 11, 12, 13, and you're putting them in violence and sex, and then opening the door to a bunch of strangers, and your kid needs the approval of that stranger, and they got the heat on him to get his score up, and just three or four weeks ago, I talked about freemans where they put the heat on him to get his score up, and, you know, now games are building obstacles into games so that your kid can't get around that obstacle unless he pays the price which means he's going to be borrowing money from a predator to solve the problem if you're not giving him the money. And that, that session was all called freemium, F-R-E-E-M-I-U-M. So that's laying the groundwork for this, okay? Well, so I want to talk just briefly about, before we get into this encrypted messaging deep, I want to talk briefly about some of the challenges of anonymity and privacy in the dark web. Because what you're seeing is all these app developers, and quite frankly, Facebook has been leading the way for a very long time. And Facebook is much, much bigger than you realize. They own WhatsApp. We're going to get deep into WhatsApp. It might be this this week, might be next week. But they own WhatsApp. They, they own Facebook. They own Instagram. I mean, they own the world of social media. And their thing is protecting your privacy, except you're in a non-private vehicle called the Internet. And so their thing is making it so law enforcement really can't get in there and get your stuff. And so predators know that. So if law enforcement can't get in there and get your stuff, how are we ever going to protect adults and children and as I, you've often heard me say, the whole world will be connected by Internet in three years. How are we going to protect people in third world countries, even innocent adults who are starving to death and somebody offers them a job in Bangladesh on a boat, on a fishing boat for 10000 bucks, and they barred somebody's phone and they're saying, take me, take me. This is going to be complicated on how do you have law enforcement protecting citizens in, a, in the wild, wild west, the unregulated internet. Well, I want to talk about the dark web for just a second because we had a big takedown this week, and it has to do with how law enforcement works. 
This headline, this is written by The Register out of the UK. By the way, I go to the UK a lot for my resources. <laughs> Thank you, folks. You know, the US media is so totally screwed up over here. You can't trust a thing that's written. And uh, so I'm looking at you guys. I might be in trouble doing that. Who knows? Headline, Alpha Bay, A-L-P-H-A, Alpha Bay and Hansa, H-A-N-S-A, about those dark web marketplace takedowns. A U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation veteran spoke out. What happened is they busted Alpha Bay. The takedown of Alpha Bay redirected the users to a market that was already under covert law enforcement control. So let me tell you what happened here is you had a group of law enforcement coming together, joining forces. Let's see. The multinational law enforcement effort included the FBI from the USA, the DEA, the drug um, drug people here in the U.S., police and other agencies in Thailand, in Netherlands, Lithuania, Canada, the U.K., France, and partners of Interpol, excuse me, Europol. So you had all these agencies coming together, and what they had done here is they had already taken down, unbeknownst to its users, the market of um, uh, let's see, Hansa had been under covert control of Dutch law enforcement officers since June 20th when two operators of the website were arrested in a coordinated takedown. Authorities obtained the users' names and thousands and passwords of thousands of Hansa users. Police plan to use the data they collected to follow Rob follow-up investigations. The shutdown of Hansa's the result of more than a year of investigative work. So let me draw you a picture because this is radio and I don't have a way to have a whiteboard and get you a bunch of, of um, articles. Maybe I need to start to go on uh, live streaming with this and start doing that and maybe we will. Who knows? I look better on radio, folks. Okay, so what happened here? Well, you know, we're really going to have to look at a lot of outside countries outside the U.S. to take the lead on this because our privacy laws are so strict and our search and seizure laws are so strict that it is difficult for our our law enforcement, the FBI, Homeland Security, to get these search warrants and get what they need. Other countries, and by the way, if you're a global policy student, this is just, this is a heyday, man. This is a playground for you to take this on. Because what happened here is they did, they were able to go into the dark web about a year ago, and they started to kind of get a little inch into a site called Hansa. Now, in these sites, they're doing all kinds of um, of illicit stuff on here. I'm, I'm trying to find out. Um, it had to do with guns and drugs and, uh, let's see, exposure to hundred thousands of buyers. Uh, they were two public playgrounds in there. They were a shop with, uh, Hansa was a shop that had a lesser reputation than, say, Alpha Bay. They had over 210,000 private messages that were leaked. And these people were selling illicit guns and drugs for the most part in here. Oh, and credit card numbers and malware. That's what I'm looking for. And so what they did is uh, during the last year, the people in and I think it was in the Netherlands, went in, in Holland, and they took down this site. They operated it, and they began to expand it. Then they took control of Alphabet, okay, and then they redirected it to the site 
Hansa, which they had taken control of. So they're in the dark web. Now, do you have a right to privacy in the dark web? Uh, is there an expectation of privacy? The reason you're in a dark web is that you're trying to use an underground approach to protecting your anonymity. And so that is what has happened here is that a group of federal uh, international people went in, took down an underground site, and then began to redirect uh and they took control of that, and then they took control of Alpha Bay, which is huge. It was much bigger even than Silk Road, which they had taken down, and they redirected those users of Alpha Bay over to the uh, site of Hansa, which they had taken down. So, so what had happened here is they had found a way to break the dark web. We're up against a break, folks. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O P A L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited. Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. 
Well, hello and welcome back. Um, We are talking about the challenges of all this new technology and how do you get a search warrant to make a case, the the balance of privacy versus versus protecting citizens, the fact that we're entering, leaving the privacy of our own homes, our own lives, and reaching out on a global internet. How does that work? And then what happens with all this new technology that is making it difficult for law enforcement, especially when it comes to new technology like encrypted messaging? So I think I'm going to, this This was entitled, Poof, the Evidence is Gone. I think that I'm going to back up, and you have to forgive me, I'm deep deep into research for my next book and um, and so you're getting the inside skinny on this deal but I'm probably going to back up and reword that and this is going to become a three-part series before this is over so what I have done is talk about just kind of lay the groundwork about what this is all about of balancing privacy versus uh, protecting citizens versus technology and this all this technology that is encrypted and disappearing uh, all of this really started for me because in the last couple of weeks, we have Instagram that's disappearing. We have WhatsApp that does billions and billions of users that is not only encrypted but disappearing. And that you can uh, solicit out Snapchat now has Snapchat money and they have Snapchat map, but it can also disappear. So how do you get search warrants? How do you make cases? If you can't track the money, if you, if it disappears in 10 seconds... How do you get a search warrant and make a case? And all of this is very, very important. So I'm kind of backing you up a little bit and talking about it on a high level this week. I can tell I'm not going to get deep into the technology in, but I do believe it's important to lay the ba- the groundwork. So what I want, what I've just talked about is this huge case that happened this week. Actually, it's dated uh, July 24th, so it's only three days old. Headline: Alpha Bay and Hansa, H-A-N-S-A. Dark web marketplace takedowns. Now, the reason this is exciting is because what is happening is law enforcement around the world is saying, how do we make cases? How do we go in the dark web and find these guys? How do we go in the clear web and find disappearing video? How do we keep a a live stream that's already gone, how do we access it in the moment? How do we get a search and seizure within the laws of Australia, the laws of the U.S., the laws of Holland, the laws of Spain, the laws of the U.K.? How do we make that happen to protect our citizens? So this bust was absolutely huge, and I want to congratulate them. And I appreciate the register in the U.K. for putting this out. Normally, law enforcement is behind. They have a reputation for playing catch-up about cyber criminals. But the takedown of Alphabay redirected users to a market that was already under existence. That was Hansa. That what had happened is that a group from, I believe it's Holland, had gone in and taken down Hansa. It's Dutch. The Dutch authorities had taken down Hansa users, and they took control of that site. Now, that would never fly in America. They tried it with playpen, and, and we're still in appellate courts on trying to figure out what is the legality of that. It has to do with the Rule of 41 and how far can the FBI take a search warrant from Quantico, Virginia, and go in the dark web. Because if you go in the dark web, you don't know if you're going to reach uh, as per the odds of that your 
person being in Virginia are like 1%. And their case has started in Oklahoma and went to Australia and around the world. I think it was 72 countries or something. Anyway, back to this case, the uh, people, the Dutch law enforcement went in, seized it, operated it, and then what they did is take control of the third biggest marketplace in the dark web. Folks, I find this exciting because this is the war between law enforcement and, and cyber criminals. And how do we get our global policy to work? How do we get a search and seizure to work? How do we get access to something that we can't prove exists? How do we go in there? Then you, to do it, you have to operate an illicit site to be able to get that. And then when you operate it, if you're operating it without a warrant, is the stuff you get in it legal? And then you're finding out that really the guy is in Ogden, Utah. Okay, I'll pick on you, you know, or Brisbane, Australia. What about their laws? And then can you just go in and track them, take over their site? How much can law enforcement around the globe take over when every country has different laws? And we have limited technology. Well, the the part that's so exciting to me is the technology to do this is starting to catch up with the criminals. Now, the policy, the protocol, the global agreements are not. But they are playing together in this place. Uh, it says that uh, there's this guy named Campbell that's talking in this, and he said... Um, Questions have been raised as to why, if cops had control of Alphabay, they didn't use the access to monitor its users the same way Hansa customers were put under surveillance. Well, this uh, gentleman named Campbell, who is an expert, and let me get his full name because we need to give him due, Joseph Campbell served for 25 years in the FBI, where he led criminal investigators in child exploitation and trade and contraband prior to moving over to the private sector. And uh, this article is is interviewing him, and we need to give him credit. And uh, maybe I could track him down and get him on this show. I think it would be an interesting show. He says that um, he didn't work, but he explains that FBI, as well as other undercover investigations, have to weigh intelligence benefits of letting a marketplace continue against the negative aspects of allowing criminality to proceed, proceed and harm caused to victims. Let me rewrite that. As with other investigations, we have to weigh the intelligence benefits of letting a marketplace continue against the negative aspects of allowing criminality to proceed and the harm caused to victims through ongoing child abuse activities. So keep in mind in the dark web, what you have is you have live streaming. It disappears. You have encrypted messaging that you can't track. You have child pornography that is going out through Snapchat that disappears. You have child pornography that's going out through live streaming. You have hackers that are going out there. You have terrorist threats that are going out there. You have people selling drugs that will kill people. That is that is part of the underground. You have large gun sellers. That is part of the underground. And so what they're doing in these marketplaces is going in and taking control And are they violating their First Amendment rights? Well, they did it in Holland. So, yeah, they don't have any in in Holland that's different than the U.S. But our U.S. authorities are working with them but backing off. But some of these bad guys are taking place all over the world. So you can't track the photo. You can't get the encrypted message. 
It's hard to track the money. You have all kinds of search and seizure laws. You have a world of global policy. So these people said, we're going for it. And they work together with all these countries, Thailand, Netherlands, Lithuania, Canada, UK, France, and Interpol. And they took control and they followed the money to identify the operators and that and watch them, them launder the money to use their proceeds into back into the legitimate economy. So at that point, you go back into the legitimate economy, you have an ability to use legal methodology to get a search and seizure law. And so it now works to prevent, as a consultant to the banking industry, they have to follow the rules. So millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrencies were frozen. So what they did, they went into the dark web, they took control of a small site, they followed it to a larger site, they took control of a larger site, they tracked the money back out into a legitimate sites where the cryptocurrency was frozen and seized using legitimate investigative tools such as search and seizure um, uh, search warrants. So this is fascinating. You talk about an amazing time to be in global policy and in technology. Just an amazing time The coordinated closure of two of the most popular underground marketplaces shows the level of sophistication and, most importantly, the willingness of international law enforcement agencies to combat cybercrime jointly. The successful takedown of Alpha Bay and Hansa marketplaces, the largest before even Silk Road, has significantly disturbed the underground economy. We don't expect criminals to abandon dark web marketplaces as business opportunities of exposure to hundreds of thousands of buyers is too lucrative. And as we've seen before, new market leaders are going to arise. But they have taken down two of the most prolific underground marketplaces that distributed and sold drugs, credit cards, uh, numbers, and malware. Individuals of nefarious intention will always migrate to another underground shop with less reputation, but they must find alternative business techniques such as selling on deep web forms. So online intelligence, surveillance, human sources, and complaints from scam victims all played a role in this investigation. I want to recognize today this article because I appreciate you putting it out there. It is written by John Layden, and the, it is the register.com UK Alpha Bay and Hansa. It was written three days ago, and it is well written, done by experts to help novices around the world to understand the complexities of the times we live in. There is nothing easy and straightforward about this, and trying to discuss it on the radio is a real challenge, but I hope this segment has been helpful to you to just have a dialogue about how big a challenge this is. There are no easy answers. I'm not going to tell you that we have them, and I'm not going to tell you that we have the right answers and everybody else is wrong. This is one of the most complex times in all of history to be alive, but if you're in law enforcement or policy or legal issues or, or technical security, 
Come along this journey with me. We need you. We need leaders. This is Opal Singleton. The show is Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We're up against a break. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Hello and welcome back. Well, we are going to begin to go down the route of talking about the challenge of encryption. This is a very uh, difficult subject uh, to handle over the radio, but I'm going to back up a little bit first and address the issue of encryption back in 2015, because here we are today. Almost every day we have a new app coming out with encrypted messaging, encrypted chat rooms, live streaming and video games, um, uh, disappearing video, and, uh, and, you know, this is a real challenge, and but it's not new. It's been going on. Now, it might be new to us because it's being announced almost every day, but this argument started way back early on, even having to do with the San Bernardino terrorist attacks. Now, many of you know that I live in Riverside, California, and uh, by the way, I go to lunch or dinner a block from that San Bernardino thing and a friend of mine was right across the street when it happened and I often train in buildings exactly like that when uh, the terrorists went in to a Christmas party and uh, and and had a terrorist attack and ultimately that led to a major discussion about can the FBI have the rights to uh, access encryptions on a cell phone and there were all kinds of legal issues trying to get Apple to release the encryption 
and uh, and how does that go about that? And that wasn't the first discussion, by the way. I'm going to also read you an article here about it, how uh, the role in Paris attack. So this encryption is really a challenge. Now, at that time, they were talking about encryption on a cell phone having to do with how emails and information was uh, processed. But now... Many, many of your social media sites are offering to the public total encryption, end-to-end encryption. Now, just because it's encrypted doesn't mean the FBI or the law enforcement couldn't get in there and make some sense out of it. They may not be able to break the encryption, but they can track that it took place. But you have this challenge of will the manufacturer of the devices, the owners of the apps that store that data, will they be willing to release it? Keep in mind, this is back in 2015, and one more time, we're struggling with the issue that if this took place in America, we have the First Amendment. We have rights to privacy. And where does that work? And we, we can't have, you have to have a search and seizure kind of regulation. You can't just come into a person's home and take whatever you want. You have to have authorization. The government can't just come into your life. But what happens when this is posted on a global Internet platform? Do you give up your rights to privacy? And that is a huge issue on there. What about when you buy a cell phone? It's your possession. You have the right to retain that, and it needs to have search warrants in order to be able to go in and access it. And then do they have the right to break an encryption? And But what happens when you transmit that out to, let's say, Canada, or uh, you transmit it out to Paris or you know, China, do those have a right to privacy? Because you've, even though you've done it in the U.S., you've transmitted it out to people with different laws and protocols. So I want to read you a couple of things because I think it is important to lay the foundation to this discussion. I can tell this discussion is going to go on at least another week, maybe longer. And I'm actually probably going to retitle this one from Poof, the Evidence Has Gone to something having to do or with the war between uh, global privacy and or uh you know, personal privacy and global uh, communication. So I'm looking at uh, articles from NBC uh, News and U.S. News, and it has to do with FBI James Comey, FBI Director James Comey. He was the director until he and uh, our President Trump tangled, and, and that's certainly an interesting thing to watch. But it's interesting to watch and listen to his attitudes about this. This one's NBC News, and it's dated July 8, 2015. It says, widespread digital encryption presents a massive challenge to law enforcement. So this is two years ago, okay, literally two years ago this month, uh, and James Comey is testifying, urging Silicon Valley to come up with a solution, okay? So our job is to look at a haystack the size of this country to find needles that are increasingly invisible to us because of end-to-end encryption. The U.S. government has been criticized by privacy advocates and tech firms for requesting a backdoor to access private user data on encrypted systems, a a measure that could leave some technology open to hackers. So what the argument is about is can the FBI force people like iPhone makers to create a backdoor to go in and get that information. 
Comey says he didn't have a number because officers were hesitant to pursue leads. Somebody asked him on Capitol Hill, well, how big a problem is this? Okay, here we are two years earlier, and our Congress is asking, is this going to be a big problem in the future? I mean, is this technology really going to be such a big deal that we need to address this? Are you kidding me? Here, Comey says, I don't have a number because officers are hesitant to pursue leads that involved end-to-end encryption. It's like proving a negative. When my folks see something that's encrypted, they move on. So what they're saying is that in 2015, most law enforcement is saying, hey, I got bigger fish to fry. I don't have the equipment. This is going to be a huge legal challenge to get it through any kind of appellate court on the rights to privacy. So we are going to just deal with what we know, and we're not going to take on the future. I think it's important that we understand why we're behind the eight ball, because I want to identify the attitudes. This stuff was being created by Facebook, by Instagram, which is part of Facebook, by WhatsApp, which is part of Facebook, by Snapchat, which is part of Facebook. It's being created by app makers around the world in 2015. We did not just get this technology today, and they just made it up in April. This has been going on since 2015, probably 2013. I'm making that up. People watch TV and think the FBI is a way to break encryption. We do not. So Comey and Sally Yates, the deputy attorney general, said that they disputed the idea that the government wants a backdoor to encrypted data. We're not seeking a front door, back door, any other kind of door. This is what Yates said. Even when we have the authority to search digital communications, we can't get the information we want or need because the user data is becoming warrant-proof. This is exactly what I'm talking about. As an example of what could be done, Comey pointed to companies that were able to send the messages of their servers. That would be iPhones, okay? Before those messages reach their destination, that would be Facebook. And so... They're saying, in addition to local law enforcement concerns, Comey warned that ISIL members had 21,000 English language followers on Twitter. So they know that. Did you get that? This is 2015. They know that ISIL is using, has 21,000 English language followers on Twitter, some of whom have been prompted to communicate through encrypted messaging platforms he finishes by saying this is not your grandfather's al-qaeda he acknowledged that hackers might steal consumer information you see this is an argument about we can't go after the bad guy because in order to open that door we have to protect the privacy of average americans this is serious he's saying and and later on July, July 8th, this is July 8th also, this is U.S. News, they have some more of his testimony. He's telling senators that investigators are increasingly unable to intercept or retrieve suspects' messages. He's saying that some senators are opposing it because of opposing the Bush administration's surveillance program, they appear to suggest there's no need for strong encryption on smartphone. You talk about having your head in the weeds. Are they thinking this really isn't coming? 
I mean, what I'm explaining here to you is this is a big discussion. 24 months later, every app that is a major significant is coming out with this technology. And in 2015, our senators were saying, well, I don't really see that it's going to be such a big issue. In fact, right here, it's Comey is saying, I don't exactly know where the great demand for this is coming from. This is James Comey in 2015 from the FBI. He seemingly take a swipe at companies such as Apple, which recently unveiled default iPhone software, making it impossible for the company to access phone content and much more difficult for police to do so. This is in 2015, and Apple is already on a roll, making it very difficult for law enforcement. I appreciate each and every one of you. I appreciate you for sharing the show, telling others about it. I hope you'll write to me at opalatmeandkids.org, and I hope that you will share this show with everyone you know. I know this has been a tough show. It's got a lot of technology in it, but I appreciate you walking through it with me, staying with it. I'd ask you to share it with others and educate yourself. Come along with me on this journey, and let's take this on around the world. We appreciate Voice America Variety Channel helping us convey this to 170 countries. Tell everyone you know, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week.